Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, Watcher, it's Luke and Pete Shaw. I'm the Pete Bits. Uh, there's a man in the room with me, and he's the Luke Bits. What number is this episode? 28, and I was just writing some notes about groundhogs. More on that later. Okay, good. I think this is the earliest Luke and Pete Shaw we've ever done. Yeah, I'm bleary-eyed. <laughs> you, said to, you said to me earlier, have you got a cold? I was like, no, it's just very early. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I'm like that. I'm mm. terrible after a hangover. I get very sniffly. But you also work quite late into the night, don't you? So you into burning the midnight hour. I rarely see you pre-midday, I would no, say. Which is right, fair enough, because you, you keep your different hours to the rest of us. So. It's not right, is it? It's not right. How have you been, Luke? You all right? Good. I was just going to be mean to you then, but you stopped me by asking me how I am. That'll teach you. I was going to say, you operate at different hours compared to the rest of us that are contributing to society. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a drain. <laughs> yeah. But a really good luck. No, but man. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, you, off to, I'm off to Kenya this afternoon. I know you're off to Kenya, so that'll be interesting. See you later for, ne- for next week. You yeah. planning on talking about it next week? Well, it depends on how harrowing the slums are. <laughs> oh my goodness! It is a charity mission. I don't like to talk about it. No, I've got to go to a hand washing seminar where uh, basically they teach townsfolk and youngsters and uh, uh, child uh, children and child carers, uh, adolescent carers, um, how to wash their hands properly because because right. uh, obviously diarrhea and stuff kills out there yeah. and uh yeah and i was thinking I t- i'm not sure how to wash hands i'm not no. i think that's going to be a big stumbling block for me in the hospital though if you go to a hospital they'll give you there's like a um yeah i guess to combat mrsa and stuff like that mm. there's a, there's always a sign on the wall showing how to do it properly i mean and combat it they're not winning are they no no i think i think that um, about I think if you, if you watch, I don't know if you've ever seen like a reality show or like a hospital documentary, mm. if you see surgeons, the way they scrub up, apparently, like, ideally, that's how you're supposed to wash your hands properly, but realistically, you're not going to do that. They I get just all the way up to the elbow. When I, sk- when I skip, I just, uh, when I skip, a, yeah, I just do a little, and to be honest, in a lot of like bars and restaurants and stuff, they don't even have any hot water, which is annoying. Well, that, sh- that says a lot about the types of restaurants <laughs> you're eating, young, young man. So, uh, so I, I just go, ah, well, it'll make my um, constitution stronger, I think. Yeah, that, well, there, I think there is definitely research. Incorrect. There's a, no, there's research that supports <laughs> kids who get outside and do stuff. Yeah. means that they're much less likely to suffer infection as they get older. A, but a study created by scientists with terrible fathering methods or mothering methods. When you're talking about restaurants not having hot water, are you basically talking about McDonald's? <laughs> uh, there used to be a curry house used to go quite a lot, and they had an outside toilet you had to go really? walk across a thing and, and yeah huh. where's well, that in Hartlepool that no, was in Leicester was it uh, well, well, all I, the best curry houses are when I first moved to London about 15 years ago or so I can remember um, going to McDonald's about a week or two after I moved there hmm. uh, and <laughs> it was in Brixton which is not far from where I live now and uh, Brixton wasn't the Brixton that, that we see now yeah I, I, used to, I used to be there quite a lot and right. it's, it's changed let's yeah, you, say you know what I mean they've got a new electric avenue sign for they, example they have in neon <laughs> and um, the first when I went to this McDonald's in Brixton I went to use a toilet and uh, a man was smoking crack in the toilet mm. and it was the first time I'd ever seen someone using drugs like that in, in I the, saw uh, when I very, one of my first worrying. visits to uh, London and I've never really seen that sort of thing again my first visit to London uh, Subway a man smoking crack Mm. And like that was like ten years ago well, in Subway or in the Subway, Subway. <laughs> in Subway really yeah in Subway which branch uh, it was the one uh, in right in the middle of Soho I think there's only one well, right during in the, middle the day of Soho. yeah during the day it's brazen I remember sort of I can't remember why we were even down in London I think we we went to a punk festival right uh, at the arena but uh, how old were you I must have been about twenty two something right. Like that. Dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. I, I remember I'd, I used to go home. Um, I used to do overnights on XFM, and I would come home about six o'clock in the morning. And I was on the bus once, and there was a lad in front of me, and he was smoking away. When like naughty lads just do everything all the time, anything yeah. they want to do. And I was like, right, that doesn't smell like weed. 
Mm. Doesn't smell like tobacco. Mm. It's very metallic, isn't it? Oh dear, crack. Uh, didn't didn't really sleep that much after that apple jog. <laughs> <laughs> I saw sleep for the next three days. I saw a guy on the tube once, Eastern European guy, um, possibly Polish, maybe smoking a cigarette on the tube. Mm. Have you ever seen that before? Oh, what? Like somebody just flouting the smoking just, just lit up and and the tr- tube stopped. <laughs> and the driver's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but, you know, some of the drivers are quite chippy, aren't they? What, yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Put that out. Yeah. And the guy—I don't think the guy had great English. So someone had to go over and explain to him that you got to put that out. Oh, he, he knew what he was <laughs> he doing. He knew what he was yeah, doing. But he was just I saw a man. I, actually, I saw a man uh, in a bar on Holloway Road about three months ago, and they were, and he just lit up a cigarette in a bar. And it was actually quite shocking. Yeah. And the bloke went, just get out. He was pissed out of his mind. Yeah. But he just lit one up. And it was actually quite a shocking, surprising scene, really. Yeah, the amount that, that the consciousness has been lifted, yeah. re-smoking inside, is and very, very strange. And we think that these things can't be changed. We just say, yeah. well, that's an institution. What, what, would you, what would you change? What do you mean? What, like, what would you bring in next? Uh, you said things can't be changed. They can be changed. Okay. I'm offering you a chance to change something. What do you want to change? Um... Uh, I can't think of one now. It's really annoying. <laughs> I've always got you. I've always got loads of uh, ideas about how people can stop being dickheads. What but, about um, um, make it a criminal offence to try and get on the tube train before someone gets off? Yeah, I mean that's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, needlessly, uh, needlessly aggressive people on the tube, but just anywhere really. Just well, down. Well, one of the things without making this too sort of London centric, one of the things that you really understand about London's transport system, particularly the underground, is that. There's so many people, uh, certainly, especially at certain times of the day, that the, the whole system succeeds or fails on you, the individual, doing your bit. Yeah. So it can't move. People can't move around the city unless you stand on the right on the escalators, yeah. you let people off before you get on, you move down the train, you give up your seat, all that stuff. These rules are one of the, one of the best examples, I think, of a reason why rules exist. Yeah. Because otherwise the whole thing grows, grows to a standstill. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if... Incidents like someone taking ill on a train or being injured, or it's basically because people can't sort themselves out properly. (laughs) I just think, yeah, I've got my life and what I'm going to do today is more important than everyone else's kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's what they think, yeah, Mm. which is wrong. (laughs) Which is wrong. Be a team player, people. Anyway, what's been floating your boat this week, Peter? Uh, What has been floating my boat this week? What have I been up to? Well, I've mainly been packing for Kenya, to be honest. I've just been doing bits and bobs for that, really. You're a poor packer, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm actually quite good. I've, uh, uh, I tell you what, I, I'm going to give could... you a chance to tell people the passport story, or I'm going to tell it for you. What? I, what? I left my passport at home. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, that's the most important thing of how packing. Many, yeah, but how many? I f- take way more flights than anyone I know. So like, I like because sure. I'm an international traveller. Sure enough. <laughs> what are you? What? Um, what executive club I'm member are you in BA? Uh, blue, I think. I don't know. There isn't a blue. There is a blue. It's bronze, silver, and gold. Oh. Oh, bronze then. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is blue, but below that, I'm sure right. uh, I had to take out a credit card. And the thing with the, the thing with the BA um, uh, loyalty <laughs> card system is that uh, it doesn't really. Yeah, I don't know what blue's offering. If there's one below bronze, I do not know what that's offering you. <laughs> yeah, because... but the thing the thing is, you uh, I guess because I was on for a BA friends and family for quite a while, which is my mate worked for BA, yeah, and so I was able to get like a business class flight to Tokyo for four hundred quid. Yeah, I mean that was living. Good. All right, that was living all right. That's but, um, living all right. That's living all right, and uh, but uh, that doesn't happen anymore because you moved to the train line. I know because you, I thought you were going to say because we're no longer friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> I soiled that plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well actually, uh, Rin, the guy who uh, used to work for BA, lovely. I love you, Rin. God, God, I love that lightly bonus. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I've sent a tan leather briefcase to his house. Right, which looks like something out of Pulp Fiction or something. Yeah. It looks like a really dodgy kind of deal gone wrong. I've, but I've sent it to his old house. Uh, it, I basically I bought something on eBay uh, a little while ago, and because it was in Arkansas, it took a long time to get to me. Um, but I've put in the wrong address. Uh, instead of putting my address, I put my mate Rin's address in. Why would you do that? Because I'd bought him a uh, record player to say thank you for the aforementioned British Airways. Oh, and it uh, saved the family thing, and it saved the address yeah, and, okay. sent and, and changing it. I, I asked to change it, they didn't change it. Blah blah blah. And uh, so now uh, there's a, a, a random briefcase going to my mate's ex house. Oh dear, that's a bit suspect, isn't that's it? A who suspect sent, package. Who sent me this tan leather briefcase? Quite from literally the 70s? a suspect package. It looks so. Ugh. But on plane travel, you know, you know, um, 
I was just saying, if if there's something below bronze on BA, then I don't know what it is, because bronze basically just gives you a chance to put a little bronze tag on your baggage, which means nothing. Uh, a chance to, Do you actually uh, do that? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> a chance to check in, I think, a, a week early or something, which again, given that you've already reserved your seat, is pointless. <laughs> and apparently it gives you special dispensation to get upgrades and stuff, which never happens. So bl- anything below bronze can't offer you anything, but in my, in my contention, but... Have you ever seen those bloggers and those guys who who essentially make a um, a living out of uh, reviewing airplanes? And, and they, but they they almost do these things. I hate the I hate the term sort of life hacks and travel hacks and yeah. hack this and hack that. But these travel hackers, as they call themselves, they manage to get into lounges, get upgrades. Yeah. Uh, would, what, what do you think about the sort of um, veracity of their claims? Do you think that's actually possible? Well, I think it's possible, but I mean, I think they're men and and. As is so often the case with men like that, and it is always just men because they've got the you know they've got the idiocy in their mind. The front, they get the front yeah. to, to, to think they're getting one over on the system. Um, they just don't value their time enough. Like yeah. that takes a lot, long time just to you know travel is about getting from one place to another. Yeah, how you get there is you know it's kind of. Well, so do you think? So do you there. think then, for example, a guy, a blogger who would claim that he was able to get upgraded to say business on the flight right. may well have had to wait days to get it. But well, yeah, or, or, he, or he would have had to have kind of he would have had to have kind of like played one business off or off another and cashed in things points here and, stuff, and yeah. stuff like that. It's just all just like, oh, you get more points if you uh, buy all your shopping in Ocado, like on Ocado. <laughs> yeah. so, and you're just spending more time. Just like you're, you're, you're making your life worse for three hours on a fucking flight to, you know... I was going to say Zabruga, but that is where <laughs> the ferry terminal is, so you wouldn't yeah, really be flying to fly there, no. And it wouldn't take three hours from London. Zurich. Um, that's funny because... Um, when we went, when I flew back from, as you know, I've been in the US recently, and for the first time ever, we got into the lounge, right? Because what, uh, the, what do like? Because what do lounge like? Because I, I used to go in when my mate, my other mate, from Virgin, I got a, a, a cheeky upgrade, but she got me in the lounge there. That's the only time I've ever been in a lounge. Yes, well, lounge. It, well, what happened was um, we flew back with one of the things that I don't agree with is I we booked flights to the US with Virgin, right? And they. Um, they said, oh, yeah, cheers for booking. Well, that kind of, kind of crap. By the way, we're co-chairing with Delta on the way back, so you're flying back with Delta. So I called up Delta to see if I could upgrade to premium because um, I always I always call just to see because sometimes if there's no demand, you can get it really cheap and it's right. worth it. And Delta didn't have a premium section. So I'm thinking, well, I've booked with Virgin and now they're giving me this other airline that I didn't want right. um, and then there's no premium section. Anyway, they do this thing called Comfort Plus, which is about $50. And you get um, preferential stuff. You get more leg room and all that kind of stuff, which for me is important. Little slippers. Well, it's, 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 you don't get slippers, but it's an overnight flight, and I'm six three, so it's important to get mm. extra leg room if you can. And um, but on the on the boarding pass, it said Sky Zone, right? And I looked in the airport at Boston, and it, and it said Delta Sky Zone, and I mm. thought, oh, we're in, we're in the lounge. So I went in there with 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 my wife and uh, said, oh yeah, cheers, can I come in? And he was like, no. He said, yeah, that doesn't actually mean that. That means you board from this area but you can't go inside the lounge, which uh, is weird. But anyway, he's, he did exactly what you've just mentioned by saying, well, listen, sir, if you want to purchase access to the lounge, if you use a Delta American Express credit card, you can get in for $20 or whatever. Mm. And um, obviously, I'm not going to do that. I'm not mm. going to take out a credit card for American Express just to get into the lounge for an hour. But um, my wife, my lovely wife, had um, some Delta points. Had a gun she, on her. <laughs> no, she for, she, no, she for, no, she'd forgotten about these points she had. Right. So she got us in the lounge. Right. So it's all free food, all free drink. Have it's a not messing about. Just have a cup of tea and giraffe and everyone just calm down, yeah? There's, there's not a giraffe at Boston Logan. No, there should be. Terminal A we were at at Boston Logan, which isn't the greatest terminal. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> this is getting very men who go to airports crap. You go to airports a lot more than I do, though. Well. Listen, speaking of a man... Listen, one of the things that's floated in my boat this week is a man called Mad Mike Hughes. Wow. And he doesn't use airports, Pete. Does he heck? <laughs> he sounds like a man who lives off-grid. I'm going to read this the, the start of this article f- for you, the first couple of paras, and is then it, I'm going to read you a brilliant quote. Is this like an early Men Carter entry? Is that what you're doing? It's just something that I read earlier. No, right. I don't want to put him in Men okay. Carter because he seems like a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> um, and you'll see why. Uh, Mad Mike Hughes, a 61-year-old limo driver from California, has been building a rocket out of salvage parts for two years, costing him a reported $20,000, which he's planned to launch himself over the Mojave Desert at 500 miles an hour. Okay, that's fairly, that's fairly eccentric. 
I mean, but, it's about as eccentric as it gets, really. But it gets more sinister than that. Right. His plan to disprove thousands of years' worth of scientific thought... Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> ...has been waylaid by the Bureau of, Bureau of Land Management, which has stopped him from making the launch on public land in Amboy, California. The reason this guy is doing it is because um, he wants to prove that the Earth is flat and his yeah. rocket has been sponsored by um, a company or a sort of, I guess, a pressure group called Research Flat Earth. Um, in one of his, <laughs> the fact that they've and got I... their shit together, they've they've clambered from uh, the message boards of like 4chan and all that crap, and, and they've managed to sort of find their way yeah. to making money to invest in. I mean, it's Darwinism as far as I'm concerned. If you've got enough money to sponsor a rocket, you've been on a fucking plane, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen to the quote from Mad Mike Hughes. I know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics and how things move through the air, about the certain size of rocket nozzles and thrust, but that's not science, that's just a formula. There's no difference between science and science fiction. <laughs> what? what? Look forward I don't to, understand that. Look forward to an update in a couple of weeks when Mad Mike Hughes Dies. is dead. <laughs> I read about him and uh, apparently he's, uh, he's, he's done a rocket uh, trip before and he hurt himself. Uh, I think on <laughs> he he hasn't learned the lesson. I've not learned the lesson. He hasn't learned he it. He wants the sweet kiss. Of, he, wants, he just wants those sweet, sweet AR drugs. AR drugs? AR drugs. Yeah, but the thing, is, the thing about it, though, Pete, is that he, he presumably had the, th- had the thought... I think the Earth might be flat, you know. <laughs> and his best way of testing it is to build his own rocket and launch himself into the sky at 500 miles an hour. I mean, I'm struggling to see... I mean, you're not just going to be a dead man. You're going to be a dead disappointed man, aren't you? I mean, whatever. Yeah. Like you... It's not a glorious death, is it? No. So you go up, So you go up. You see that the Earth is round, and then you go, oh, balls. Hmm. What, I mean, what's he... Like, what's he... Presumably he's seen the photographs. But is this rocket just going up? I presume, but he's, he's, he's going he's he's to have to back down. He's going to have to go pretty high to see the curvature of the yeah. Earth, anyway. And, and, and I think that I mean, if, you, if you're listening out there and you're a flat earther, do get in touch. Seriously, get in touch. Give us your rationale. Let us you. know. Because the flat Earth thing, Pete, is 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 had a resurgence recently. It's huge. Yeah, there are quite famous people. A lot coming of rappers. Out there. A lot of yeah, rappers. Yeah, get and involved. basketball players. Weirdly. Yeah. So, um, but but clearly he's not gonna he's not gonna prove or disprove it on those terms anyway he's yeah. going to end up killing himself <laughs> but um, and also before we move on to um... like we're being lied to by the, our governments in a million different reasons a myriad, myriad yeah. of different reasons yeah. but that's not one of them no it's not And uh, I, what I like about the flat earth thing uh, somebody was saying uh, I think science scientists probably one of the um, one of the big the TV ones basically a flat earth asking a question Oh, why do you think that? Why do you? Why does everyone buying this lie about the flat Earth? Like, going blah blah blah, blah. and he mentioned uh, Venus or something, right? And they went, uh, and he went, yeah. What about Venus? Like, do you do you think that Venus is flat as well? And they came back with, no, Venus has been proved to be spherical. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why? So, <laughs> so no, it's just this specific one, <laughs> this one, in the billions the, of. That's the of, thing. Of the arrog- sometimes the arrogance of uh, some um, facets of, of religion and and, and 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 flat Earth belief and stuff like that. Like sometimes beliefs are so goddamn arrogant. It's like people who are obsessed with, with uh, Muslim terrorists and stuff. Like, don't be so arrogant to think you're going to be caught up in it. Don't think you're going to be so arrogant that you're going to get fucking killed by someone. Well, do you think the chances it- are so fucking remote? Well, do you think it's an extension of people thinking that the world revolves around yeah massively yeah, massively okay, right. okay. and it's it, you know it's unfortunate and stuff but like if you're going around walking around thinking that the, the, the earth is flat you're an arrogant pig yeah I mean we are both arrogant pigs in other yeah, ways I know yeah, yeah in every other way yeah. <laughs> in every um, other conceivable way and just quickly before we move on to emails one more thing I thought might be of interest to you P Don is um, if you give £10 to the Boston Logan airport <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not Lounge about man. But you know, you know, a while back you talked about this the roof, a stadium roof collapsing. Yes, that was um, um, the, the Pontiac got, Silverdome, something like that. Yeah, mm. um, was that right? Or was that was it yeah? Else? No, the Pontiac Silver. It was the Pontiac Silver. Okay. Um, well, apparently the Hartford Civic Center, which is now called the XL Center, mm. according to my father-in-law, who we spoke about last week, who lives down the road from Hartford in Connecticut, um, that also collapsed. The roof of that collapsed mm. in the early morning of. January 18th, 1978, um, a, the weight of snow from a heavy snowstorm uh, and a faulty roof design caused the Civic Centre roof to collapse, but there were no injuries and it opened again in a couple of years. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. It's more, more sort of... huge um, structures. They tried to... More, uh, more sort of regular than you think. They tried to blow up the um, Pontiac Silverdome um, a couple of years ago. They tried to demolish it, but huh. uh, the explosions didn't work. Oh, really? <laughs> like, you just saw the puff of um, dust and, and, and cement. 
as it went around the stadium. Right. And um, and then you just like, nothing. <laughs> it just didn't collapse. That's surprising because there's quite a lot of scientific <laughs> detail in the art of demolition, isn't there? Oh, yeah. They, they, they know exactly where to put the different charges mm. and stuff. That's that's fascinating, that. I think, they just, I think they'll just take one wrecking ball and it'll all come down. But uh... but have you ever seen um, the uh, footage of a of a building wired for demolition? Especially loads of little, loads of tripwires everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, really, well, really well, well, not tripwires. Like we do. No, but they're, they're high. They're like, they look like tripwires, but they're <laughs> higher up. Yeah. yeah, incredible, really. Yeah, imagine trying to get out. It's just full of tripwires. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Uh, crystal maze. There we go. Anyway, um, do you, you want to give us an it's been, even though we missed All it right, again? Then. It's been. That's not bad. An You're early morning one. You're getting better at it, I think. Oh. One day. One day. What have you got? Uh, I've got a couple. Um, hello to um, John Rudge. John Rudge, who's uh, who's big in the Nan Grand Super Heavy Duty game, apparently. Right, and what we're now doing is the It's Been jingle for the emails, Yeah. because we forgot to do it beforehand. Yes. Okay, cool. Oh, well, sorry, It's Been as in... Because yeah, we normally have a different jingle for the emails, don't we? Oh, uh, well, do you want to go to a, do you want to go to a break, do you mean? All right. Yeah. If you give me, a, if you get, tell, say break rather than email. No, but I want you to know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Okay, Luke. Hang on. Okay, Luke. Don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Never argue with the customers, Luke. No. We haven't heard that one for a little do while. Do you think the shambolic nature of this show is part of its charm? Um, I mean, or do what you think I people say, just think we're really lazy? What I would say is that uh, talking about airline lounges probably isn't. Uh, endearing part of our charm but, the fact that right. we've only been in one once ever between us is, is, is <laughs> not like it's not like we're flying high is it it's like we're living uh, it up lording it over the peasants I do watch a lot of those videos where the man's just like in upper class and he's gone and he's explaining what you get in an upper class yeah. flight in different places Yeah, and, and that's booths. the thing isn't it if people do for any reason mistake the fact that we're lording it up most of our knowledge comes from watching other people do it on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, what's John Rudge saying? Uh, John Rudge. Hello, John Rudge. He's uh, big in the Nan Grand Super Heavy Duty Batteries. Nice. Uh, he's 28. Uh, in regards to your postman urination-related question. Oh, yeah, from last week. Yeah, yeah, the old man is a postie of several decades, and he advises me the protocol that uh, a delivery, op- delivery operative, uh, when he feels the call of nature, is that they are to break off their round and return to the depot, but quite often will locate an accessible toilet at one of the places they deliver to. Hmm. A community centre is my dad's choice and will come to some sort of agreement with the owners that they can utilise their facilities. Nice. If a postman turned up on your door, would you let him do a wait in your toilet? Well, I've had delivery drivers and... Um, a special uh, delivery, if you will. <laughs> yeah, delivering their own type of delivery yeah. into my toilet. <laughs> no, I've had um, people who come into... I mean, there was a couple of guys who came in to, to put up um, a bed in my spare room a while back and they used the bathroom that was fine well that's allowed I mean they're in yeah. your house I mean yeah. the, the, you, their workspace is literally your house but a postman yeah but if a postman came to the door and said look I'm, I'm very very sorry here's your delivery um, I've got a really bad um, indigestion problem at the moment <laughs> no don't say that because then you know oh, yeah. you're getting pooey poo no I'd probably let them oh and speaking of uh, that I'd, I'd let them if they were wearing a uniform but, you'd, but you're so polite you'd let people do any, all that stuff because yeah. you're, you're one of those I'd people I'd do it in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> but you are one of those people who, who would rather um, help someone out to the, to the detriment of your own well-being if you know what I mean I, I just think you're not here for a long time are you what do you want what, what you're you to bend them back yeah, for, everyone for everyone else. Yeah. Um, but I was speaking to my mum this morning, and she and I told her that about this post postman thing, and she said that her grandfather, so my great grandfather, mm. was a postman in rural Scotland, just outside Aberdeen, till a very old age. She didn't know how old yeah. exactly. Pissing a boffy. But she said, "Yeah, we could do." And she said that um, apparently he used to deliver in like all types of weather as like mm. a matter of pride, and he was only five foot three. And he would sometimes go out and deliver in like three feet of snow, <laughs> which sounds like a pretty hardcore job. Oh, and my, my great uncle was also the oldest amateur referee in Scotland at one point as well. Oh, Football referee. Uh, oldest amateur referee. Right, yeah. okay. So, There's a lot of tech in there, isn't there? Really? Well, I imagine he was terrible but towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> Cataract. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, do you want a quick one from Tom Carpenter? Tom Carpenter, yeah, all right, Christmas. Yeah. It's a Christmas story. Oh, yeah, go are, on, yeah. We are rapidly approaching Christmas. Um, all right, lads, I've just been listening to Egg Security and Pete's stories of the kid pissing in a drawer and him drunkenly, sleepily ending up in the wrong bed at a house party. Uh, made me think that the, think about the following story about myself is right up your alley. Plus, it happened on Christmas Eve slash morning, so it's timely for the festive period. Here we go. After a big Christmas Eve night out drinking, did you ever do Christmas night out? Uh, sorry, Christmas Eve drinking when you I, were a kid. I did, and a lot of my friends would tie one on and go out literally to 
nightclubs and stuff yeah. until like 3am I always used to go out drinking but I would always come home when the pubs closed yeah, my I, mum would get so annoyed with me if I was badly hung over on yeah, Christmas day I don't, I don't think my mum really cared but I would um, occasionally run home to get there before midnight oh really <laughs> like okay, a little right. dweeb like a right little dweeb because would your mum be annoyed if you couldn't contribute to Christmas day she she doesn't let me attribute to Christmas Day. She won't listen to this. She does terrible roasties for Christmas oh, Day. Oh, Pete, you can't say that about your own mother. They, they are dreadful. Oh, you, you've told me this before. Doesn't she do them the night before? She does the night before, and every year I have this argument. I go, Mum, I can do this. I make very good roasties. And, yeah, she has none of it. So, so your mum makes roast potatoes for Christmas year, Day the gonna, day before? she's going to break her wrist before, she, before we do Christmas. And you're going to have to get involved. It. And she'll go, Pete, you did very well there, Pete. That's all, all my... I want is her respect. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all my friends, though, I think, I don't take this the wrong way, you are the least, uh, you're the person I'd least like to cook for me on Christmas Day. Beef Wellington. No, do a turkey. That's one of my specialities. What, from Fish scratch? pie. Fish pie, beef wellington from scratch. Wow. I'm actually quite a, an accomplished chef. Chef, in that, uh, cook, in <laughs> I mean, that, I am in a that, chef. in that, I go out and buy, uh, I, it costs me like 60 quid for one meal. I don't know how many of the things that I need. And the bet so the kitchen's a bomb site. Oh, to, oh, to stay. <laughs> yeah. I use every pan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever you I need. I go next door that. and ask to use theirs. So, you, so but would your mum be annoyed with you if you had a bad hangover on Christmas Day? Um, not re- I, not really. I don't think. And to be honest, I mean, what does constitute a bad hangover? Isn't like isn't Christmas all about drinking anyway? But I once was a, was genuinely ill. I had like a stomach upset on Christmas Day, and my mum wouldn't believe me that I wasn't hungover. <laughs> and she was like, "People have made a lot of effort on Christmas Day. This is disgraceful." And all this other stuff. Yeah. And then when it got to about. 3 p.m. Boxing Day, and I was still like vomiting. She's like, "Okay, yeah, fair enough. I think you might actually be your <laughs> my uh, my uh, my dad. Uh, we don't have a very conventional family, but uh, like, but there's always these little stories. My dad came. I, I don't know my presents and stuff. I mean, mum and dad had opened theirs. My sister opened theirs. How old were you? It, this is last year. Oh, last year. Okay, and right. uh, my dad had got me like what was it? It was like a build your own car or something. It was like a kind of like a, a second hand kind of airfix car. Right. That he bought in a charity shop. It was in pretty good nick, but I mean... Oh, no, that's what it was. It was a two-stroke engine. It was a, it was a little kind of plastic engine that you um, you could make run with uh, probably a candle or some oil or something like that. All right. He'd build it yourself. And uh, he'd clearly bought it from a charity shop because in, in the middle of the engine, somebody had put a wrap of resin. Like, <laughs> cannabis <laughs> like resin? Cannabis resin. <laughs> that's a bonus. Yeah, a bonus I know, right? <laughs> But it was all. I was just looking at it, going, "Oh, this is just a bit tawdry, a bit tawdry isn't yeah, it, for Christmas yeah. Day." So well done, Stewie Donaldson, for yeah. that. Uh, right uh, back to uh, Tom Carpenter's uh, email. Uh, after a big Christmas Eve out, uh, Christmas Eve night out drinking, I was uh, rudely, I thought at the time, walking by my mum downstairs on Christmas morning uh, with the words, "Get up, you've ruined Christmas." I gingerly... that's a brilliant line. You imagine that though? Yeah. Imagine oh. being in bed and the door opens first thing in the morning. Your mum comes in. Get up. You've ruined Christmas. I think sometimes Christmas, um, Christmas is like one of those days where perspective doesn't matter. Like, not nobody will ever um, go with. Oh, we'll laugh about this one, yeah. No, we'll laugh about this one day because you, you just people just. Oh my God, it's Christmas! Yeah, get up, you've ruined Christmas. I gingerly got out of bed and went downstairs to see both my sisters, mum and dad, looking at me with a mixture of sadness and disgust. <laughs> <laughs> when they could bring themselves to talk to me again, I found out why I was being made to feel like a social leper. Turns out I had stumbled home, fallen asleep in my room, a bit later got up to go to the toilet but taken the wrong turn in my drunken sleep and ended up in my younger sister's room. I then opened her wardrobe and pissed all over the contents while she watched in horror. Oh dear. Once finished, I had wandered back to what I thought was my room but was actually my other sister's room, got in bed and kicked her out. She joined the first sister in going to get my parents and they came in to make me go back to my own room in the meantime I had removed all my clothes in bed so when they grabbed the doobie off me I was completely naked in front of my whole family and had to be led back to my room in the nude I then passed out leaving them to scrub and wash my sister's clothes and wardrobe and console each other I haven't been out drinking on Christmas Eve since that fateful night I think with hindsight uh, they probably had a good reason to say I ruined Christmas Tom Carpenter I like I like the way that they um Bless you. Oh, I like the way they um, they basically 
just let him go back to sleep while they did all the cleaning. Yeah, my but parents I mean, probably would have kept me up. No, I mean, what were you going to get out of him at that point? I think that you just got to kind of, um, you know, punishment comes later. I think, and I think, right, realizing you've... a dish best served cold. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. it's a horrible thing to wake up to. That um, that's nice. I've got one here from Mark, which I like, and not just because he says, um, "Hello, chaps, loving the show." It's easily one of my favourite podcasts to listen to. Jeez. Um, if that is the case, do leave us a review on iTunes, <laughs> uh, Luke and Pete Show on, on iTunes. Uh, Mark says, in answer to your question in episode 25 about airport car raffles, I like that you thought it was a scam and that nobody would ever win one until I heard the following story. I don't know if we said it was a scam. I just, I just no, I just said, said it and pointless. actually it was, it, was, it was bought out by a lot of people emailing in about it. Apparently, yes, my uh, hypothesis was true. Uh, there is only one car, but it's shared. Uh, the, there is every only, airport in the every world. Airport, <laughs> <laughs> every airport in the world. And uh, But the car you see is just a version of the car you can win. Right. Well, Mark says uh, he has a friend who is a mechanic for Land Rover. And he told him that a couple of years ago, a young guy at about 18 came into the compound in a gleaming white Range Rover Sport. It attracted quite a bit of attention with a guy so young. Um, and he said, my friend, not massively being into football, assumed it was a footballer or some sort oh, of sportsman. Right, okay, yeah. Turns out he had won the car from one of these airport raffles for £50, <laughs> which he bought on the way to a lad's holiday. He had driven it to Land Rover to sell it because he couldn't afford to run it, tax it, insure it, or do anything with it while still being a full-time student. He wouldn't, said it, wouldn't Land Rover be the worst place to go for it? Because they'd know how much the cost price was, they'd know what the... I don't know. Well, he said, no, look, mind. he said he enjoyed a tank of petrol in it before not being able to afford to fill it up again, so he drove it to sell it on nearly brand new. Wow. That's from Mark. Could you not get... Um... I'd sell it privately. You yeah. get loads of money for it doing that. Yeah. But uh, fantastic uh, work. He just sort of got. Oh, uh, I've got a mate who's obsessed with the fact that he never wants to be bequeathed a boat, right? Because he doesn't want to pay mooring charges. He doesn't. Know, he'd need a license. Is he likely to be left a boat? That's the thing. He wouldn't. He would, like, who's going to leave someone a boat anyway? Um, my friends. <laughs> he's, but he's gone. He's genuinely uh, on more than one occasion said, D- "Just don't leave me a boat." If anyone's listening, don't leave me a boat. Yeah. Don't bequeath me a boat. I don't want it. It sounds like reverse psychology. <laughs> uh, do you know, that's just really reminding me. A, a few he friends, is wearing a captain's hat at the same time, though. <laughs> a few friends of mine who um, may or may not be listening, uh, Lewis, Chris, and Rob, when we were about, <laughs> when we were about 18 or 19, they had one of this, uh, these uh, sort of, um, I don't know how you would describe it, sort of weed-inspired ideas right. to buy it. Because obviously I'm from the South Coast. Right. We, we all grew up a stone's throw from, from the Solent on the yeah. South Coast. And um, where all the best weed come in? No, it's nothing to do with that. <laughs> it's to do with uh, do with the boat. And they said, "Oh, do you know what we do? We're going to we're going to get a boat. What we'll do is we're going to buy a boat. And we're going to go out fishing and all this mm. other stuff." None of them had ever. Oh right, done okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they bought a boat for about five hundred pounds between them, painted it, called it the Clubber Lang after Mister T's character in uh, uh, Rocky. Yeah, um, and did a nice little design on the side with Clubber Lang and a, and a boxing glove. I, I imagine they spent more time on the design of the boat than the uh, actual, you know, well, le- learning how to sail. Would it be helpful if I was to say to you the only memory, two memories I have of the boat? One is of one of my mates, Rob, trying to fill the petrol, the tank up with petrol with a cigarette in his mouth, and everyone saying, "Don't do that." <laughs> uh, and and secondly, uh, the fact that they didn't realise that you had to pay mooring fees, <laughs> and uh, one day they went to go and find the boat, and uh, it had gone. And no, just good and no one had ever seen it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't as successful. I think at some point it was used um, by one or two of them to stay overnight in when they had nowhere to stay or something like that. But it wow. never, I think it got about two voyages in total. And if you are That's listening dreadful. out there and that story's inaccurate, you can email in and tell us different or just, I do, or just I call do, me. I do sort of wonder, uh, yeah, I do, I do sort of wonder where that boat went then. Yeah, just, did it get impounded? They probably would have been sent letters or something yeah. they, didn't, they didn't see. And then, uh, and then it probably was, use uh, it for fucking Rizzles, mate, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, um, uh, I think I told you this. I might have said this in the podcast. Like, I used to got the girl from Jersey. Uh, the dad was a budding um, uh, boat man. Uh, and he got... he got <laughs> Sailor. Yeah, so he owned, he owned half a boat. It was, you know, a nice boat. I had, like, you know, GPS and all that stuff. Um uh, fishing boat and uh, did he, he make hip hop videos? And he, <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh, he was like a corner of that, and he got his um, sailing badges or whatever. And uh, we went out one day, and it was like one of the first trips he'd done alone. And so he's being the big dad of the house with you, with me, 
my ex-girlfriend, her two sisters. You know, everyone he cared about, apart from me, obviously, <laughs> everyone he basically cared about, he took out on this boat on this trip. <laughs> right. And he's messing around with the fishing lines, and I'm messing around with the fishing lines. And uh, and one of the girls has got the got the got the wheel, and we're just heading out to sea, and uh, it gets a bit, it gets a bit fucking rough. Right. And he turns around, and I've never seen a man go so white in my yeah. goddamn life because honestly, the waves were about two times that height of the boat. We were rolling into them and out of them, and I was like. I mean, this is thrilling, but there's this very British thing of going, I mean, not really British because, you know, really close to the coast of uh, France, but like really British thing of going, right, what point is this a disaster? What point yeah. do we have to press the emergency fucking button? Because yeah. it was very close, very close. What to happened in it. the end? Uh, we, we managed to kind of like gain control and, and, and the seas calmed quite quickly, thank God, but we were in all kinds of trouble. Did you get seasick? No, I'm all right. We suffer that sort of thing. Uh, I'm Your not, dad I'm, was in the I'm, navy. Yeah. In the jeans. <laughs> he always says that. He always says uh, uh, it, when he cuts um, salt water comes out. <laughs> when he cuts himself. So you, but, you, um, you you were able to literally weather the storm. I was literally. We were literally able to weather the storm. But um, how yeah, scared sh- were people? He shat himself. Um, were you scared as well? I was like, no. I think you know what the lasses the lasses weren't because they were like, oh, dad's dad knows what he's doing, uh. and I was going, fucking, I'm outside this family. Dad doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no loyalties here. <laughs> Would you rate yourself as a s- strong swimmer? No, I'm terrible. A doggy paddle, doggy paddle maximum. Jeez, okay, so you were in big. I was in big, big danger. I was in big, big D's. Um, what about this email from Simon? I like this because it's a follow up to the uh, the convergent evolution chat we had last mm. week. Simon says hi both. Uh, hi both. The hummingbird hawk moth is an incredible example of convergent evolution. Mm. It looks and flies in the same way as a hummingbird. It's amazing. I looked up on YouTube. It is amazing. It's even got the pre... <laughs> it's even got the sort of... Um, what would you call it? The sort of proboscis. Oh, right, okay. It, I didn't complete. give it a Google. And, and, and it only exists, I think, in certain parts of the world where the hummingbird doesn't also exist. Ah, because um, if you saw your own doppelganger, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't yeah, recognise yourself. It'd be like, a, like an ersatz version of you. It'd be odd. Um, and I did some further uh, research and um, <clears throat> learnt the following about convergent evolution. Koala bears, koalas, right. yeah. I don't know if they're actually bears. They're not bears. Yeah, yeah, koalas. That's what everyone says, isn't it? It's like, oh, they're not bears. Koalas have, have evolved fingerprints independently of human beings, <gasps> which what? is weird. Um River dolphins have evolved independently in three different parts of the world at least, the Amazon, the Ganges, and the Yangtze River in China. And according to DNA studies, they aren't related but have evolved to live in fresh water. Oh. And wombats and groundhogs, two animals that would never meet naturally, one in, in continental United States and one in Australia, hmm. have also um, got very, very similar, uh, very similar. traits. Uh, and That's why I was looking at groundhogs earlier. And it's just like they, they, they live in similar kind of... Uh, uh, they, they have the same needs. Well, I guess the environment... So they evolve the same things. Well, the environments have in some way been similar, which mm. means they've evolved sort of certain... Yeah, certain traits that Isn't they that need. wonderful? It's great. I love Isn't it. that wonderful? The world around us is fascinating. <clears throat> and it's flat. And it's flat as hell. <laughs> yeah. Flat as a two bob uh, no. Um I want to say hello to uh, Liam, another postman chat, another postman story. Oh, yeah. Uh, as a postie who listens to your show while trailing the mean streets of Bradford, West Yorkshire, I can confirm that postie uh, pissing hotspots are usually pubs and doctor surgeries. Doctor surgeries, that's huh. interesting, isn't it? Um, I have, however, known colleagues to use any shrubbery or wall above waist height to do their thing. Uh, something you might enjoy on a slightly related uh, topic, a colleague of mine recently tried to deliver a parcel to a house. After a couple of minutes, a man leaned out of the downstairs bathroom window and took receipt of the parcel expressing his thanks it later turned out that a burglary was actually taking place and this cheeky chappy was taking the opportunity to add to his swag that is front that's ballsy isn't yeah. it that is <laughs> yeah. ballsy imagine that oh there's someone coming up the path <laughs> oh yeah I'll take it I'll take thank it. you Liam I'll sign for it did he sign for it with his real name <laughs> brilliant gotcha um, I like this one from Brad um, from Sydney he says um I was listening to the podcast um, as you talked about the sting of the bullet ant. Do you remember that? Right, okay, yeah, How yeah. long ago was that? That was about four weeks ago. I yeah, think. and um, the stupidity of those who choose to get voluntarily stung by such creatures. As such, I thought you might like to know about the Schmidt Pain Index, developed by Justin O. Schmidt, an entomologist um, at the Carl Hayden Bee Research Centre in Arizona. No, he's a guy who sort of reviews stings and bites. Well, that's what you were talking about when yeah. you were talking about the pointless of it. And he said there's, but the, the, the Schmidt Index is like the official pain index. Um, uh. is this, this is not the same guy who's endured... Is this the guy you were talking no, about? No, no, I think Okay, no. apparently he's endured over 1,000 stings 
and ranks the most painful stings in the insect world from level one to level four. Um, but it comes with the added each each level comes with the added bonus of his descriptions of the pain. Um, so examples include the sting of the sweat bee, which he says is light, ephemeral, almost fruity. A tiny spark <laughs> has singed a single hair on your arm. Uh, he describes the yellow jacket as level two and as hot and smoky and almost irreverent. Imagine W.C. Fields <laughs> extinguishing a cigar on your tongue. <laughs> and it goes up to three or four, uh, three and four, and the three most painful stings in the animal kingdom belong to the tarantula hawk wasp, which is described as blinding, fierce, and shockingly electric, <laughs> and the warrior wasp, which is described as torture. You are chained in the flow of an active volcano. Why did I start this list? Uh, and the bullet ant is raised, uh, the bullet ant is actually ranked at four plus. And pure, intense, brilliant pain, like walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail embedded in your heel. <laughs> Brad says, um, interestingly, though, none of the stings experienced are actually dangerous to humans unless they're allergic. Yeah. They're, just, they're just an excruciatingly painful defense mechanism. Well, um, well um, what I like about that, that is Brad. That, that man who does the, well, Schmidt, Mr. Schmidt. I mean, that is a origin story for a superhero, isn't it? It is, really? definitely. Got, instead of getting stung, stung by one animal, yeah. he's got stung by all of them. Because there was talk, I remember, a while back of a guy who... You know, you get those sort of mad eccentric guys. Sometimes they tend to live on the subcontinent and they just live with snakes. Mm. And snakes bite them all the time and yeah. they, never, they never die or anything. There was, there was a story um, a while back about a guy like that, some sort of um, snake enthusiast. And it got to the point where apparently at one point he, he was bitten by a snake and the snake died. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know. That's because he, that he had is, so much venom running that through is his veins. Story. But the, the thing is, like, but venom's like, is it the viper or um, what's the one that um, basically just coagulates your blood? Like, have you yeah. seen the one where they mix venom with um, with blood and the blood just kind of solidifies into a jelly? Yeah. Oh God! Isn't that what snake venom does? Anyway, yeah, but like I think it's a specific kind of one. I, I don't know. Where they oh, it's the that, Russell's but... Viper, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. They and but it just turns. It, it, oh God! It turns blood into jelly. Yeah, that's horrible. And, uh, you're, and you're right; they are different because I think the, the venom of a black mamba is a neurotoxin, which right. means it shuts down all the muscles in your body. And I don't think there's any anti-venom for it. I think your best chance is just to get to a hospital, get on a breathing machine until it wears off. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I think, I think you're right. I think they do, ah. I think they do behave in different ways depending on the snake in question. Fascinating. Mm. They all sort of talk about like they're using uh, venom uh, and, uh, you know, bites and creatures and stuff and, and, and the poison they use um, in uh, like treating cancers and stuff. But mm. I, no one's ever went, right, this is a direct correlation with stuff we learned from a, sp- from a spider or a, or, a, or a snake. Well, please don't confuse venom with poison ever again. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean uh, right hello chaps uh, we're sort of running to the end of the show but uh, we'll squeeze in a, a couple more uh, Oliver Merry Christmas he ends the email with so I'm just, I'll, I'll put that out now just to put you in a nice uh, mood thanks uh, Oliver hello chaps uh, gratified to hear you talk about Millennium Eve on Monday evening as that was the night I lost something very significant to me my virginity all right. The funny thing is, I can't remember whether it happened before or after midnight, which means I don't know which century I lost my cherry in. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is, I suppose, quite cool, yeah. <laughs> um, I've used this personal fact many times over the years in various tell us an interesting fact about uh, well, yourself it, scenarios. It means he doesn't know what <clears throat> millennia he lost to Virginia. Yeah. Because it was a millennium by the very definition. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Could have, been, could have been that thousand years. Could have been the <laughs> other one. The place was at Alderley Edge Park. He doesn't really oh, go into this sort of yeah. detail. But, uh, the girl in question was the sister of someone I was at school with, uh, a big hard nut called Paddy. Uh, I was really worried on the first day back at school because I didn't know whether he'd found out in any way that I'd had sex with his sister. Oh, God. Uh, uh, whichever millennium it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, that I was last that, millennium, That's a thousand Paddy. years ago. Paddy, that was a last millennium, <laughs> mate. Um, as I went through the school gates, I saw him marching towards me with his entourage. Nervously, I said, what's up? Paddy, he did not return my friendly smile and replied, What's up, my sister? Your cock. Oh, yeah. Uh, can that be true? Can that be true? That that line, that leap, that's that sort of, fucking leap. That's so, that that sort of line that only really happens in scripted movies. It's what those ones, uh, what is the uh, what's that French word they use for um, stairwell, a stairwell fort? 
<laughs> yeah. Like it's something you think about on a stairwell. Yeah. yeah. And and the sort of thing that there's probably a word for something you think about two days afterwards that you should have said as a comeback to someone who insulted you as well. Yeah, that's the I mean that oh, is, that's what that, it is. That, that's what it is. Yeah, they call it a stairwell yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I, uh, that's quite nice. Escalier something Esprit is it Lesprit? What's Lesprit? I don't know. Esprit de, de Scalier, I think. Escalier's uh, stairs, I think. Um, um yeah. I, I was I was, I was just I'm reading the latest the most recent John Le Carre mm. at the moment, A Legacy of Spies. And in that, he references a um, a Russian, I don't know, she's actually East German, East German lady. I'll try, I'm trying not to spoiler it. An East German lady who, and, and he, <laughs> he describes her um, t- getting dressed and taking a bag out to to for a walk or whatever. Mm. And he says that, and he and he says that apparently that certain type of bag that she takes out mm. is for um, if she buys groceries or she wants to grab something and keep it in there and mm. apparently in the Russian parlance it's known as a perhaps bag oh, which I thought was quite nice that's nice yeah I, I might need it perhaps one of the few My perhaps bag one of the few um, Lakari uh, women who are alright yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. In the, like he, he's not very good at dealing with female characters I don't know what, I don't know why I think he's a fantastic writer he's one of, he is my favourite writer but because um, I love Spinal Wars but um, yeah but uh, Pete, just, you know, just, just poor. In just co- poor. Cold War, the spy game was a man's world. That's it was a man's world. And he was very much a part of that, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Him, him and um, Raoul Dahl as well. Raoul Dahl, uh, a lot of like actors of the day sort of were, know, were out there. I know that Raoul, Raoul Dahl, Raoul Dahl, apparently one of his assignments, because um, he was a, uh, some sort of counterintelligence or some sort of intelligence officer before he became a novelist, mm. um, one of his assignments was to, in the 40s, uh, essentially rabble rouse in the US mm. to try and propaganda and persuade um, the Americans to join the war. Mm. That was like his job. Yeah. And, Amazing. And, but wasn't he like kind of like allowed to just sleep with whoever he wanted and stuff? He was like one of these kind of breed of sexy men. Right. And so I went over and uh, wasn't he, he? He had some views, didn't he? Old Dahl. Did he? Oh, maybe, he yeah, yeah, Dahl had some views. I think he might have been anti-Semitic. What, what, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> it's all one big uh, metaphor, mate. What James and the Giant Peach? <laughs> All one big metaphor. George's for... marvelous medicine. <laughs> <laughs> one big metaphor. <laughs> one big metaphor. I and for me to that. make that leap and figure out what that metaphor is would make me a bigger Nazi. We'll take. We'll take another week. <laughs> um, so uh, let, let's finish off with um, uh, something I sort of dealt with. Uh, I, I sort of mentioned, and to be honest. It is quite fascinating. Um, you're probably not going to like this. I'm going to say this and you're going to go, oh, gross. But Wilco. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, Wilco uh, Ferhuer hmm. in uh, Guelph uh, in Canada. Hello, uh, Guelph, Canada. Um, hello, Luca Pete Let me start off by saying my batteries in the closet remote are end top. We've had a few end tops. Have we? We've had. And, and both times we've been sent pictures, they've both been encased in plastic. So uh, I got a um, fresh box fresh. I got a new Sky remote yesterday or maybe the day before. Obviously, the first thing I did popped it open. Duracell, Duracell, nice. But Duracell, not for not for not for not for public sale, not for um, retail sale. Uh, Oh well, uh, kind of like Sky must have done a deal. deal. Done a deal. It's all part of uh, making Sky a great place to work. Believe in better. So several weeks ago, I forget how you ended up discussing it, uh, but the two of you were discussing the large increase of uh, step family member porn. I, oh, I think, I think do we I have to do an email about this? Well, it's, we get it's so fun. many good emails, and these are the ones you pick. It's out. a phenomenon, uh, phenomena, and uh, it, this is this is basically how how it happened. I think. Um, so this is p- pornography in which is portrayed a man or a boy sleeping with his stepmother. Yes, it's ridiculous. As a buy, as a workaround to get to incest porn, which is actually illegal. Well, of course it is. Well, <laughs> no. Uh, and you didn't understand the large increase of step family uh, porn. I can give some clarity to this. The reason why this is increasingly due to um, porn companies struggling to gain a profit uh, due to streaming, presumably, and partly due to a certain demographic that does buy pornographic material. This demographic is anime slash hentai watchers. Hentai so, so, is Japanese pornography. So why would they be more predisposed to buying pornography than anyone else? Uh, I guess because uh the, there's nobody has um organized streaming services for all of them i guess and also um japan's quite good at um, ip and protecting ip and, and and selling things they still sell a lot of pornography um off the shelf for example i think right. japan um so it's becoming clear to me while and, you visit there three times a year. <laughs> with a big old carrier bag full of it my perhaps bag 
Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I can bring three tons of pornography back with me. Uh, but is there a limit on like, like I don't actually quite know, in... to be honest. But like, uh, like I, I've never liked uh, uh, anime. I certainly don't like bloody hentai. Uh, you know, like cartoons. Like uh, yeah, cartoon yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, like yeah. Um, this may exist. This may seem strange, but uh, this demographic buys a lot of what is known as. Uh, Dora Jinsi, uh, which is a comic book style porn at conventions, and often the theme is incest or something more grotesque. The porn industry has not been blind to this and therefore has taken the one theme that they can legally do, since the rest of the themes are rightfully banned or frowned upon, in a bid to get these people to buy porn subscriptions slash DVDs. Now, you might know why I asked this, and all I can say is that I heard another podcast, an anime one though, uh, discussing this, and it made sense to me, and it also horrified me. So there wow. we go. And also, my uh, my second subject, I wish to discuss uh, the new species of orangutan. Better. Might not be a new species. I'm currently working on my master's in evolutionary uh, biology, so let me explain why. Uh, the reason for this is that for uh, living multicellular organisms to be considered different species, their offspring can, only, uh, can also produce offspring, so they have to be able to produce offspring. To help illustrate this point, despite the fact a horse and a donkey can produce a mule, mules cannot produce offspring. Therefore, I horses, didn't know that. Therefore, horses and donkeys are different species. Did uh, you know that? That a mule can produce another, another. Oh yeah, no, yeah, they're okay, right. Yeah. I didn't fascinating, know that. Yeah. fascinating, that sort of thing, right? Um, uh, so yeah, so in terms of the orangutan, there are yet to be studies checking if the new species can still breed with other Sumatran orangutans. All I did say is that there are enough morphical, uh, morphological rather, and genetic differences between the two species, which for most biologists is enough to prove different species, but could indicate that. Uh, so it's not situation. enough at the moment, but they need to do further study, basically. Yeah, but I mean, okay. right now, they've, they're, they're basically saying, ah, it's a new one, give me funding, give me funding. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that before. <laughs> that, with the old, what, what we're talking about with Ricky Gervais and the 400 species of penguin or whatever. <laughs> there we go. I, I, I sort of, he's rescued that email there for me, because that's very, very interesting. At the I moment. think uh, it's something that nobody talks about. Uh, I always sort of say that uh, um, uh, the relationship between a, a, a boy and his father's oh, pornography... What? I'll go carry on. Carry on. A relationship between a, a man and his father's pornography is something sacred. Something sacred because <laughs> you both know you've seen it. You both know you've both watched it, and you've both got some idea about what you do while you're watching it, but you never talk about it. But you're going back to thinking about porno mags and stuff, aren't you? There, yeah, mostly, mostly. Yeah. But like, but you know, a lot, a vast proportion of people consume pornography, and that's something I've noticed on sites. Everybody seems to have sex with members of their family mm. or extended uh, family. Are you trying to self-sabotage this show? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. You can't ignore it. Well, hopefully next week, because we're out of time, but hopefully next week we'll hear a lot about Kenya, Pete. Yeah. And we'll avoid pornography entirely. Well, for one thing, the Wi-Fi won't be very good. But knowing our emails, <laughs> knowing our emailers, we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. Thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon, this morning, this evening, wherever you uh, might be listening to it. Let's get out of town, yeah? Let's get yeah. out of town. Enjoy Kenya. See you next time. I think everyone should enjoy Kenya. Agree. Agree.